0: Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Before we begin today's episode, we want to take a moment to acknowledge the life and sudden passing of attorney Cora Faith Walker. Of her many accomplishments, she was a graduate of St. Louis University School of Law, a state representative in the Missouri House of Representatives, the St. Louis County's chief policy officer, and an important advocate in the St. Louis community. All of us at Heels in the Courtroom extend our condolences to her family and friends at this time.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. Today, we have the whole crew So we've got Amy and Liz and Erica and Elizabeth and Megan, and today I want to lead a discussion about feeling nervous in our profession. As we've talked about before, it's largely based on different deadlines and and filing deadlines, but also... A lot rides on every single part of our cases as we're moving forward. Whether it's a deposition or a hearing, there's so many reasons that we, our bodies just feel nervous before you know big things happen in cases. And I, I was trying to remember the last time that I had a deposition or a hearing that I didn't at least feel a little bit nervous. And I was doing some research on it, and nerves are actually they're a physiological response that it helps us prepare for either a perceived or an imagined threat. That's kind of where nerves come from. I'm sure any attorney who's listening has something coming up on their schedule that is going to make them feel a little bit nervous. And and my goal today is that we can kind of have a roundtable discussion about how to overcome your nerves or strategies to and and first, I'm curious if any of you all have this locked in. Do any of you have a dialed-in routine that you know you're going to feel nervous before, you know, whether a deposition or hearing's coming up, and you know exactly what you're going to do that when you show up, those nerves are going to be kicked?
2: I think the only way to combat that is to prepare. I think about all the times I'm nervous, which is continual, even now. I've grown to appreciate it quite a bit because after a while, a lot of what we do, while it's never the same, is very familiar. Going to court, arguing in front of a jury, standing up in front of an audience, whatever the task is, it it becomes familiar, but I never want it to feel too common because I always want to feel like I'm giving it my all which includes not only mental preparation, but also physical preparation. And Mary, when you talk about the physiological response, I had written that. When I get nervous, truly nervous, I have a physical reaction. My heart beats faster. I can feel the warmth crawling up my neck. I've got some palms that are sweaty. Here's what happens. I still have it. And instead of that physical reaction making me more nervous, I embrace it and I say, okay, girl, this is it. It means it's almost here, whatever. So rely on your preparation, rely on your your history of doing this kind of thing and being here before, and just channel it. So I have tried over the years to welcome it, not only because I think it fuels you a little bit, as long as you can kind of keep your mind straight, But it also means that whatever you've been worried about for however long is just about over. (laughs) You know, that culmination of the physical reaction and actually standing up and doing your performance or, or having your say is just about over. And you know how much relief you feel after it's finished. So...
3: Amy, I like what you said about just kind of embracing it, because I have realized that for me, nerves can kind of take one of two different directions, which is I get really timid about it or I get really hyped up about it. And I would much rather prefer the later. And I have almost started doing when i was in high school i was a competitive cheerleader and before a competition that's the most nervous you are and you listen to a hype song a pump up song and jump around and like get going and i've almost started doing that in its own way before a big court hearing or deposition when i'm in my car i'm blasting eminem lose yourself on the way in like trying to get hyped up and like take the more energetic route of those nerves as opposed to I'm shaking, I'm, I'm really getting timid about it and trying. and, you know, just keep the nerves going to a positive direction and keeping your guard up in a good way and just trying to use them for like positive.
4: At some point in this podcast, I will make each of you admit what your hype song is. <sighs> <laughs> so well, we now have you know mine. Crazy we have train Megan on record.
2: <laughs> it's crazy train.
1: Really? You're kidding. No, I'm not.
2: Uh, I grew M- up in the 80s, remember? M- 70s and 80s, I'm M-I-A M- I- bad girls.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a good one. And
4: then if I win, I put on all I do is win. Win win. No matter what. <laughs> quite what? On the way home. Very original. Just, just so you all know. <laughs>
1: So far, Amy and Megan, both of your responses have really been kind of an internal process. You can feel it coming on. You know how your body's going to respond. You know what direction to kind of take yourself. And I'm curious do any of you call someone on the phone and say, hey, I've got this thing coming up and I'm really nervous and talk about it? I don't. And that would make three of us. And Elizabeth, I see you shaking your head. No. As well, Erica's a yes. Erica, what's your process?
4: Well, so when you brought up this topic, one of the like points recently in my career, within the last couple of years, that I can like identify that I was nervous. Mary, I called you, and if you recall, (laughs) I had taken on that appellate court argument.
1: Yeah, like a couple days, like
4: maybe a week before we were going to do it. So we were serving as local counsel on a. Case. I think I've talked about this on the pod before. We were serving as local counsel on a case. We were appealing an award of summary judgment at, at the trial court level. And I had worked with the other attorneys to finish the brief, but I didn't do the initial draft. I didn't do the initial research. I just kind of made sure everything looked right, you know, for Missouri law. And I was prepping the attorney out of town who was going to argue the case. So this argument was being held at St. Louis University, our law school. The panel was announced and I was giving him the rundown. And as I was talking more and more, he said, you know, you seem to know a lot about this and it's on your home turf. Do you want to make the argument?
1: And I kind of... And this is how far out, Erica? Like a week,
4: a week. And... I had like three huge depositions scheduled for that next week. And I was like, wait a minute, I've never made an appellate argument. Like, why would I? And like, I'm not going to appeal any of my cases that I can see on the horizon. So I like swallowed real hard and was like, Yes, yes, I want to do that. Thank you. But I mean, you know, depending on where you're at at any given time, like it's so much easier to say no to something like that and say, you know, I, I have these depositions. And I was like, give me 30 minutes, I will reschedule things and confirm. So I went into prep mode, obviously. And Mary, if you remember, I was practicing out loud and you were sitting in the stadium room with me like listening to me practice my argument and going back and forth on it. But then because I spent so much time preparing and someone else was letting me openly like get those jitters out of running through a presentation, I felt so much better. And I felt so confident during the argument, mostly because I hyped myself up like a ton. And I had in my head that You asked to do this or agreed to do this. So, you know, it's you're not finding yourself in this situation because of circumstances or something else like you are doing this because you want to do it. Win, lose, draw. It's a good experience. And I could kind of I was hyping myself up and talking myself into it. And I think I was so shocked by the amount of nerves I wasn't feeling and I think it had to do with preparation and the fact that you were helping me. Sure. So in answer to that question, yes, and thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I do remember that. And I have kind of a um, similar but opposite outcome story. It was around the same time, I think, Erica. And I was preparing to give an opening in a mal case. And, well, Erica, I've done that with you. I, I can't – maybe another attorney in the office I've seen kind of – take a lap and say, can anyone listen to this argument or this opening before I give it? And I was doing that. And the only person who was in their office was my dad. And that like never happens. And I'd never practiced any sort of argument in front of him before. I would say two words and he'd go, just say it. And I'd (laughs) look up and say, I haven't even... Said my client's name, just start over and just use your words. And And I left that little powwow session, not getting through my opening one time in its entirety and 10 times filled with more nerves than I was prior. (laughs) And I learned in that moment, he ain't going to be my go to (laughs) when I need to get out the, you know pre-trial jitters. Now that I'm thinking about it, you and I did have a good experience when you were prepping. So now I will remember I can just ask someone else.
4: Well, you choose your audience, right? So maybe you use someone who's going to beat up your argument and, you know, be really critical when you're drafting it and working out the kinks. And then use someone who's going to listen and help you refine and like kind of be a cheerleader when you're kind of on the eve of doing something.
1: Totally. And a large part of my nerves too was how I would look. And we've talked about before on this podcast, how much thought we have to put into our attire, especially as female attorneys going in and not having just like all black suits and ties when we go into the courtroom. And I didn't get any feedback about that. And I was nervous about that. And Erica, <laughs> you and I talked about what you were going to wear at your argument. I just, it, it it's kind of like enlist a cheerleader if you do want to get out your nerves with somebody. Another aspect of nerves that I get caught up in is Sometimes I'll even talk to myself and think, why are you so damn nervous about this? You know, it's a deposition. Like, you can prepare for as long as you want. You can have all your questions ready to go. And at the end of the day, you're not going to make the person give you a certain answer. You just have to go and listen to what they say and respond to it and and get down the information you need. So sometimes when I ask, when I almost do a reflection back to myself as to what is causing my nerves, I can cut under them a little bit. Has anyone else had that experience?
4: Yeah, that's exactly what I do. And I'm like trying to diagnose my fear. Like, Why are you afraid of this? It's always like taking a big deposition too. And, you know, I'm distracted and irritable. And the longer I've practiced, I just focus on the fact that like tomorrow afternoon at this time, it will be over and it will have gone however it's going to go. And, you know, sometimes I focus on like identifying a little reward for myself. (laughs) And I always know that like it'll be over because time keeps ticking. And you will do the thing that you're supposed to do. And it's really like that idea that, Amy, I remember you talking an early episode, like, if you just trust that you're going to survive. Exactly right. Yeah. You're going to live through it. Through it. it. Yeah, and that sounds so dramatic, but when you're calming, you know, your heart rate and your sweaty palms and trying to focus on anything else to get through your afternoon and having done it, you know, 100, 200, 300 times, it's still – like a feeling that creeps into the back of your mind. And the funniest thing is, when it's over, sometimes I look back at my outline and I'll, you know, I'll have detailed kind of a line of questioning too much. And I'll look at it and just laugh at myself and, like, oh, it's cute that I thought I was going to ask questions like that. Like something completely different happened and I completely pivoted. But that was, you know, an outline or like bullet points of what I wanted to cover. That's just a manifestation of preparation that helped me calm down. Or you look at your outline you're like, I didn't ask a
2: single question that I wrote down, but somehow (laughs) I still asked a successful amount of questions. So the prep is the salve, if you will, for nervousness. But I wanna tell a real quick story. When I was in law school, I think it must've been a trial ed class and it was taught by an ALJ, so a judge. And he was talking about being in the practice prior to becoming a judge. And he did trial work. And he said, and I remember this, he said every morning when I had to be in trial, I would get in my car and I would drive to court and I would pray to have an accident, a motor vehicle accident, a crash So he wouldn't have to actually show up and try the case. And I thought, my God, if I go to my first trial and don't pray that I have, you know, an accident where I hurt myself or others, then I guess I'm okay. So that... I don't know if I think it was real because I remember watching him tell this story thinking, God, this is just this was paralyzing amounts of nervousness for this man. But it stayed with me, obviously, even till today, because for some reason that if I don't reach that pinnacle of nervousness, then I'm fine. Like, at (laughs) least I don't wish bodily harm on myself or others. If you start out believing that that's really the worst manifestation, Erica, of nervousness, then I guess you're okay.
3: I think that's an indication that you might be doing the wrong thing for your life. (laughs) I think that's why he went on to
2: the bench because he was quite relieved not to be doing that anymore.
5: Yeah, I think it's comforting, though, to hear that other people get nervous and are still successful in their jobs because I think there's this myth that, like, you know, I'm a natural. I don't get nervous. and like, But if you do get nervous, maybe you're in the wrong line of work. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that as we've discussed today, the nerves are kind of what drive the prep and what get you prepared and get you ready for that moment. I think most of my nervousness comes from the lack of control. So when I don't have control, I'm just naturally nervous about certain situations. And I think the one thing that comes to mind is how often we get to do stuff remotely now and, you know, you don't have to worry about the logistics of things. And that's one thing that always worried me pre-pandemic was I got to get to this place on time. I got to find the right room, you know, X, Y, Z, all these things. I don't have all the documents with my computer with me, you know, but doing it remotely, there's more control. But recently I had to attend my client's deposition who is currently in a maximum security prison. And I had to go in person and it was a fairly terrifying experience just based on the logistics, having to get there. It was not something I was really looking forward to, but I was not focused on the actual deposition at all. I was just focused on having to go to this prison and having to sit there and like not because I was like fearful. It was just. An environment I had zero experience in, and I was very concerned about it. I remember, like, as soon as I got there, they like do all of this stuff. You have to show tons of documentation. You cannot bring anything in with you. You can bring like papers, no paper clips. You couldn't bring your driver's license back in with you. I have no idea why. Your cell phone had to stay in your car. It was, it was kind of crazy. Just to, like, remove myself from my phone was a moment in itself. It was just like, I, <laughs> I can't remember the last time I didn't have my phone in my hand. But we get there, and then this security guard, like, we get past the gate. The security guard is walking us through, and they're just, like, empty holding cells. But I feel myself start to, like, panic. I was like, I think I'm on the verge of a panic attack. Just, like, imagining people in these and, like, that life that those people have to live. And then, you know, I settled down once we got in there. It was a very strange experience, but I think that it's a really um, interesting experience. I'd recommend, you know, visiting a maximum security person <laughs> if you ever get the chance.
3: Elizabeth, I have to totally echo your nervousness about logistics. Fairly early on when I started this job, I had a hearing that was across the state, four hours away in Kansas City, but it wasn't until the afternoon. So I decided to drive there in the morning as opposed to going the night before or something. And I left probably two hours before I needed to and then ended up hitting about an hour and a half of traffic And it was like my worst nightmare realized. And ever since then, it's just tainted me of like being overprepared logistically. If you have to drive somewhere, knowing where you're going, it was like a huge cause of my nerves. And obviously, this experience did not diminish my nerves at all, because now I'm like, oh, what if this happens every time? So I've recently wondered if I'm just like a total BSer in all parts of my
4: life, because often I will get feedback or hear, you know, Whether it was a deposition or being in trial or something, someone will say like, oh, you know, you looked really relaxed or something like that. And I will have been so nervous, but be able to somehow not show it. And I think that's the thing I'm most nervous about is that somebody will be able to tell that I'm nervous and then I'll just fall apart. And Like I'll lose control and like not be able to recover it. And so somewhere along the line, my brain has wired me to be outwardly collected while internally losing my mind. I can
0: verify that Erica is cool as a cucumber and it is very hard to tell when something's under her skin because recently we were in a hearing together and Erica was making her arguments. I I was there for moral support mostly and and note-taking. I'm I'm a great note-taker. And I thought that we were getting really bad rulings and I couldn't tell based on Erica's demeanor. I was thinking, wow, we're just getting railroaded here. We were getting killed. But (laughs) Erica just said, okay, all right, well, thanks, Judge, next issue, and she would just move on. And it was very impressive, it was very impressive. And honestly, I thought that you were just, you know, like water off your back, just, just you, onto the next I issue. You thought I didn't care. To the point, <laughs> Oh, I saw you the in the point. hallway
3: afterwards,
0: and it was not as, <laughs> no.
3: Well, to the
0: point that when we took a break during the hearing, I was thinking, okay, I don't get it, but all right. Well, she's cool with it. I guess I'm cool with it too. And then you come storming into my office saying, we're getting killed out there. And it was, I mean, at least I was like, oh God, thank God she's alive. Like she's paying attention. At first I thought maybe, like maybe she just wasn't really reading the rulings. Like I was, I was, maybe I was overreacting. I don't know. But no, <laughs> you're like catatonic is- listening to the judge. <laughs> but it was but but that's how you're supposed to be right it's a complete poker face because the opposite here's the other thing that in a hearing that we were in where you were winning and your opposing counsel same case finally winning with something same case finally winning and i'm slowly documenting opposing counsel's spiral <laughs> because with each new ruling against him you could see him cracking and the crack is getting bigger and bigger. And my notes document that of, did he just say that? Where is he going with this? Oh my God, is he cracking? He has cracked. (laughs) That is the line of my notes. Like I said, I'm a great note taker. (laughs) But it is so important to be able to have that poker face. And some of that maybe comes with experience. Some of that just may be a natural, God-given talent. I don't know. But I have heard from every good attorney that you need to have a poker face. It doesn't matter how nervous you are. You should not express that outwardly, at least to the folks that matter here in this situation. The judge, your client, the jury, opposing counsel, at least my personal strategy on this is maybe I don't want to tell people I'm nervous. Maybe I don't want to use the word nervous. Certainly don't want to use the word scared, even though that may be what I'm feeling. I try to reframe the issue of going to people who I know have experience because experience is what sort of calms my nerves. Once I've done something the first time, I'm like, I can do this again. But it's doing it the first time that gives me the most angst. So, how I try to calm that is by going to someone who I know has done it before, whether that's Amy or Erica or any of the ladies in this room or any attorney at this office, saying, I've never done this before, but I know you have. I want to make sure I'm as prepared as possible. Instead of saying, I'm nervous and I want you to talk me through my nervousness, I say, I want to be prepared. Help me prepare and I'll get my questions out that way. And even if I haven't had that experience yet, maybe I can l- sort of live vicariously through someone else's experience and that will ease some of my own nerves.
3: Liz, I totally agree with that. Going to someone who's more experienced than you and asking for, you know, constructive feedback like that is really helpful to get- your nerves out. And then I find myself during this conversation, been thinking about who do I express my nerves to? It's usually someone who's not directly involved, you know, a partner, my girlfriends, you know, someone else who's not directly involved being like, I'm freaking out about this. And usually they're good cheerleaders and hype people saying you're going to do great. And then for the actual, you know, meat of it, going to someone who understands and can give you constructive feedback. It's a good balance of being able to have both of those things. The only caveat I have about
2: showing nervousness is in front of the jury. And I'm thinking about an opening statement or even voir dire. Your first appearance in front of the jury, I think it's okay if you truly are nervous, like don't make it up. But if you truly are nervous, it's a human emotion. And everyone sitting in the jury, maybe they're nervous, too, about even if they don't have to speak, they're nervous about the role they're going to play, the decision they have to make. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with having that nervousness. I'm okay with fumbling just a little bit at the beginning. Again, don't make it up because you think it's somehow endearing because juries can tell that. But I don't know. Even now when I get up for voir dire or an opening, I feel nervous. I probably look a little nervous as much as I work on my poker face. And I recognize that it's important in an argument, such as what Erica and Liz are just talking about. But with a jury, I think they maybe appreciate the humanity of it. I
0: think that it depends on how your nerves express themselves. If it's a little bit of fumbling, maybe you mess up in your outline, that's OK. Here's the problem. My nerves <laughs> manifest themselves in talking really fast, Okay, really fast talking, which is not effective communication to the jury, and also forgetting to breathe. (laughs) That's not good. I don't need to pass. (laughs) I don't think a jury would find it particularly endearing if I just pass out in the well. (laughs) But it does show a level of humanity, though. And you want to connect with them and let the jury know that you are a real person. It helps them trust you. And so maybe just showing a small amount of nerves to the jury just to remind them that you are human and that you're not here to scam them. This isn't something that's overly rehearsed. And also at the end of the day, hopefully remind them of your client who's a real person. That I I agree with. But again, you got to be careful on what exactly your manifestation of your nerves are.
2: (laughs) And I think what I'm thinking about is if you get up and you do fumble a little bit or you, you know, have to pause for a second and find your place. I guess what I'm thinking about is don't Beat yourself up. Don't overreact. Don't try to cover it up. You know, don't let it spiral. Just take a second, maybe even apologize to the jury. I know I've done that before. And then move on. In that situation, I think if you try so hard not to look nervous, it's almost making the situation
4: worse. I feel like we should have rehearsed this because you perfectly teed up my favorite Erica was so flip and nervous story. Okay. The first case I tried here for the Simon Law Firm. it's just a car accident case, St. Louis County, a court that I'd been practicing in my whole career. I get up to do Vordire. It's a small case. We're trying it just one lawyer versus the other. And one other attorney, Kevin Carney, from our office had agreed to come watch Vordire with me and help me pick the jury. So I think I was had only been here a couple months, and so I didn't really know, like, my colleagues that well either, so I have, I feel like I have eyes on me, too, and whatever, so I get up there, and for our podcast listeners, I will enact this in real time for <laughs> my fellow hosts, <laughs> I get up there, I had put a bottle of water under the podium in case I needed it, and that was my mind ticking through, like, absolutely everything I can think of, That needs to be done. Okay, I'm going to put my water up there just in case. Okay, So I start to introduce myself to the jury. And for some reason, when I walked up to the podium, I grabbed my bottle of water because that felt like (laughs) I was probably grabbing. Instead of grabbing the podium and and holding on, I grabbed my (laughs) bottle of water. So I say, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Erica. Open the water. (laughs) (laughs) Take a drink. Slater and continue, continue on. So, so I paused to take a drink in the middle of my name. And I mean, I'm hot under the face even thinking about it. And, and then I continue on and it was it was just the weirdest moment of my life.
5: And then you're
3: sitting there thinking, what did I just do? What, what did, did I hell? just I do? It was so- so
4: (laughs) ridiculous. But it totally fit, right? I'm like a new attorney in my mid 20s, literally the first case that I'm trying on my own. And I was just so nervous. And I mean, you know, what a manifestation of what you think is your worst day makes the best story. Exactly.
5: <laughs> and I think it's important to remember that it's just like other humans watching you. If I was watching you do that, I'd just be like, oh, I guess she's thirsty. <laughs> right? I wouldn't think a second thing about it. I would be like, that's really weird. Like, she's thirsty, you know. But well, to uh, the person doing it, you're like, that was the stupidest thing I've ever done in my entire in the life. I love my name. Yeah. It would have been better if
4: it was before or after. Nobody would have noticed. But in the middle, of they my didn't name. notice.
3: I think that's true, though. I think sometimes when I get Really nervous, it's because I am nervous about how the person on the other side is going to perceive me. But when you're thinking that it's just another person, that they are probably nervous too. They are human, they make mistakes too. It kind of, you know, neutralizes that a little bit.
1: Well, at first, I'm trying so hard not to laugh as I picture Erica <laughs> taking a water break between her first and last name. Oh my and gosh. And this has been another
2: episode of Hills to Your Courtroom. I'm Amy. <laughs>
5: now
4: you're all gonna do it
1: gosh it is so funny and I remember as you were telling that story Erica I could almost feel the same amount of nerves that I felt Liz at the first hearing the first argument I ever had was on that pro bono criminal case that we had and I swear to God I walked into the courtroom and I was like My body temperature went up like 20 degrees. My face, I was sweating through my suit. I was trying to keep my hands on the podium. And it was just, it wasn't even in front of the jury. It was a big motion in the case, but it was just Mm -hmm. me, Liz. I think our two law clerks came and I kept telling them like, just so you know, I haven't actually argued a motion like this before (laughs) because I didn't want them to be like, in the hell is going on and fortunately it went completely fine like the motion oh no no
0: hold up hold up it didn't go completely fine it went stellar it was phenomenal to the point it was so great that it changed because this was a pro bono case. It was a criminal matter. So we were up against the prosecutor in this case. It changed the prosecutor's attitude towards a reasonable plea agreement. That's how good of the argument and the judge's ruling was. So give yourself complete credit on that, Mary.
1: I appreciate that. I just remember walking out of the courtroom and having to take off my jacket because my whole shirt was sweaty and I kind of looked at you and was like, okay, how'd I do? I was like, I think it went great.
0: Yes, it went great. This does make me, I I had a friend who did this in undergrad. We were on mock trial together and she, you want to talk about cool as a cucumber. I've never seen this woman crack before. She is just a badass, but... I remember one time she gave us a phenomenal closing argument in our mock trial and we get out of there and she just goes, I'm sweating. And I was like, I can't tell though. Like you're wearing a light suit jacket. She goes, you know what I've been doing? I've been putting pads in my suit jacket, like menstrual pads, maxi pads, maxi pads in the armpits of her suit jacket to absorb sweat. So she wouldn't, you couldn't tell she was sweating. She's amazing. I also wear very dark suit jackets. So maybe I've never had to face that issue. But I'll just throw that out there. If your manifestation of nerves is sweat, maybe just throw a maxi pad in, to,
5: the inside of your,
1: to
0: the inside of your jacket.
1: Oh my gosh. Wow. I did not expect a conversation about being nervous. To end with so much laughter, (laughs) but thank you ladies so much for a hilarious and informative discussion of how to handle nerves. And hey, even if you get really nervous, it'll make a really good story (laughs) later on. So if you absolutely sweat through your suit at a hearing, just know that a year later you'll be laughing about it with your friends. (laughs) And with that, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. You can reach out to us at comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law, and we'll see you next week. Thanks.
0: Amy, Liz, Erica, Mary, Elizabeth, and Megan would love to hear from you. Send your thoughts to comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law and check out other legal podcasts in the Simon Law Firm Library. The Jury is Out with John Simon focuses on lifelong learning to elevate your practice. Subscribe
2: today.